Good morning, church. Is it though? That didn't sound that good. Maybe we'll try this. Merry Christmas. Oh, that was nice. Here we are on the third day of Christmas. I hope you've had a chance to recover and reflect after the big holiday. Maybe you've got the house back in some semblance of order. New Year's is on the horizon, but for now, there's a brief moment of calm. Maybe. Or maybe, maybe you're back to work already. Maybe you're catching up on things you had to put on hold for the holiday. Maybe the kiddos are stir-crazy and a little, what are they say, extra? A little extra uh, since they're home on break, but there isn't as much to do since we're all distancing. Maybe things haven't slowed down much. And what we'd really like is just a bit of peace and quiet. Maybe some downtime, maybe a little me time. Or better yet, wouldn't it be great if life just normalized? So you could just get back to life as usual. Maybe, maybe you've had this experience in the last couple days, or maybe just generally you have this experience. I, I've had it a few times. You, you get a chance to rest in a rare and blessed, quiet moment. It's right there. But your brain won't stop hounding you with the stuff that you could or, or should be doing instead of resting. And even in the quiet, you don't find peace. Peace sounds great in theory, but like who's got time for that, right? It doesn't seem realistic to a lot of people. After all, have you watched the news? Like, have you scrolled through social media? I'll tell you what I see in my feed, okay? Um, I see that there's plenty of people who are grasping at peace. We're offering advice on how to get peace. And in general, those are not the folks who seem to have any peace of their own. And it's little wonder why. I mean, there are a lot of things that can rob the peace that you should have. Um, busyness, anxiety, guilt, bitterness, anger. There's a commonality that runs through all of those peace stealers. And you know what it is? They aren't out there. They're all in here. Every one of those is inside our heart. You see, real and lasting peace has very little to do with your circumstances. Now, I know that may seem naive or idealistic to say, you know, but, but I'm telling you, I have seen some folks who have walked through unbelievable suffering with poise and calm and, if you can believe it, joy. And I've seen other people who absolutely crumble 
or explode at the slightest inconvenience. Is the difference out there? I, I don't think so. I don't think that peace is out there. And if it was, you know, it wouldn't be, very, wouldn't be worth very much. You know, moments come and go. Circumstances are constantly changing. The only peace worth having is the kind that lasts through the rough times. Because that's when you really need it. We read in Isaiah a list of um, some pretty big names that, that are put on Jesus. And the last one in that list is Prince of Peace. And that's, I think that's significant, you know, because what follows, uh, you know, it's, you know, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, those boom, boom, boom. Prince of Peace is the, the one that says, and then it goes on to talk about what, what it's like when he's Prince of Peace. You know, the increase of his government shall, you know, not end. He'll sit on the throne of David. So it's like they, they took that last one and really kind of amplified it. At, at Jesus' birth, angels appeared in the sky over the shepherds, and what were they saying? Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. But those things weren't just accidental or incidentals to the day, you know. Those were his mission. Jesus came to bring peace between God and man. Jesus didn't look for peace. He didn't wait for peace. And that's because peace isn't something you find. You know, people talk about finding peace. No, peace isn't something you find. Peace is something you make. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to make peace. When he was a grown man, at the beginning of his preaching career, Jesus went up on, um, on a hillside and he preached probably the most famous sermon in all of history, the Sermon on the Mount. And as part of that, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't say blessed are the peace finders. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know what the difference is between a peace finder and a peacemaker? Peacemakers make the first move. Peacemakers are the ones who humble themselves put themselves in the vulnerable position. In Jesus, the fullness of God dwells. So imagine, think for a moment how God could have made his entrance when he came to earth. He could have come with a host of sword-bearing seraphim in righteous retribution, fire and trumpet blasts. And, like, he could have done that. He could have shown forth an unveiled holiness um, the way he did with Moses and David when to, to look or to touch or to even look at him would mean instant death for sinners. But that's not what he did. That's not what he did. He came as a tiny, precious baby born among pack animals, greeted by shepherds, he didn't have to be that way. Like, none of this is a foregone conclusion. 
Every bit of that is a choice that God made when he sent his son into the world because he wanted his entrance to tell us something. You know what it means when God is born as a baby? I come in peace. I want you near me. I mean, golly, when somebody has a baby, the very first time they take it out into public with their friends, like, there is nothing going on except looking at that baby. This has been true for all of human history, I think. God didn't want to be aloof and distant. He wanted us to approach him and know that he came to make peace. The peace that Jesus came wasn't going to happen, that he came for wasn't just going to happen on its own. It's not like there was ever going to be a morning when the sun rose and the world just stumbled into peace with God. Not even amongst God's chosen people. You may know this already. If you don't, it's, it's a good thing to know. The, the, the name of God's Old Testament people was Israel, right? If you don't speak Hebrew, I'm just going to clue you in. Israel means struggles with God. Actually, even a more literal translation would be wrestles with God. That's his beloved people, the ones that struggle with him. Peace with God does not come naturally to us. That's exactly why Jesus came. That's why he became one of us, you know, so that he could bridge the, the gulf between God and man. He came to deliver the message of God's love and forgiveness, and he came to make peace. That's why he laid down his life, to bring an end to the conflict between God and man, to heal the mortal wound on our relationship with God that began way back with Adam and Eve. But you know, the song that the angels sang, glory to God in the highest and peace, not in heaven, peace on earth and goodwill toward those on whom his favor rests. So the idea is that Christ didn't come to just make us okay with God. That peace that we receive in our reconciliation with God should spill out into our relationships with our fellow man. Well, how will that happen? Do you suppose that you're going to find peace with your neighbor? Or do you think you'll need to make peace? Well, if we follow the example of the Prince of Peace, then we will learn about the humble joy of being peacemakers. Peacemakers make the first move. Peacemakers are the ones who swallow their pride and put themselves in the vulnerable position. Well, what does that look like? It means being understanding and gracious when others have offended us. Even if you have the right to be angry or bitter. Like, fine, you have the right to be bitter. Why would you want to exercise that right? Jesus had every right to come in judgment. He suspended that right so that he could come to make peace. 
when we are offended, when, when someone sins against us, a peacemaker returns that with love and kindness and forgiveness, even if they don't want it. Peacemakers humble themselves and admit their own mistakes and ask for forgiveness. You know, there's no peace with God without grace and forgiveness. We, we get that. The same thing is true for peace among men. So, as, uh, as we continue our Christmas celebration, maybe we should include in that some serious self-examination. Which of my relationships are broken and hurting? What unforgiven sins do I need to finally forgive? What bitterness or anger do I need to let go of? Who do I need to ask for forgiveness? Where are guilt and shame driving a wedge between God and me or between me and my brother? But let's not stop at self-examination. I mean, if you just answer the question and move on with life, then you really want to accomplish peace. So then let's be peacemakers, right? And make the, make the first move. Asking God and our neighbors for forgiveness. Let's take some steps to mend some broken relationships. You won't be 100% successful. Some folks don't want to be forgiven. Some folks want to nurse the grudge and, and cling to the hurt. You might not be able to stop them from doing that. Jesus faced the same thing too. That's okay. He still made the first move. And even to those who rejected him, he never withdrew his offer of grace. And that's his call for us. In the book of Romans, chapter 13, it says something that um, I, I think is remarkable. I find myself saying these words to people pastorally quite often. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. There's a recognition that, you know, you will not always live in peace. But you've got to do your part. You know, an interesting thing happens when, when you're a peacemaker. When you're a peacemaker, you will have peace. Even in those relationships uh, where they don't want to, to forgive or, or be forgiven, if you're a peacemaker, then you can lay down the burden of those sins and walk away. Your love and compassion for the other person will grow. And as you see how it hurts them to carry that hurt around, but, but you will have peace, peace that goes well beyond what seems possible, because the peace we have to offer is nothing other than the same peace we've received in Christ. The Bible calls that a peace that surpasses understanding. The grace and the forgiveness that we have in Christ is sure, and it's certain, and it's inexhaustible. He made the first move and humbled himself to make peace. That's what we celebrate on Christmas. 
So I want to invite you to uh, pray along with me a prayer. It's, it's, it's very old. It was written by, um, by a man of God named St. Francis of Assisi. Or of Assisi. And um, I'm just going to pray it a little bit at a time. You don't have to repeat it, but I, I would like for you to think it in your mind as we pray. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, it is in dying that we are born again to eternal life. We pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.